With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to a midweek editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We are powered by your friends at Cornhead Lager, the perfect beer to enjoy while watching your favorite team. Purchases help support NIL through the 1890 initiative. Send your friends in Philly uh, some delicious cornhead lager. We'll have that in hour two. Philly fans taking Game 7's loss. Well, as well as Philly fans take losses. We'll dive into some comments from Matt Rule. He was on the network last night as the Nebraska tries to trudge forward. We'll check in with Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity and Herdat Sports. Uh, Babbers coming up here in about 15 minutes. In hour two, Evan Bland will join the show from the Omaha World Herald. And uh, we'll check in on the world of injured tight ends in the NFL. <laughs> Don't panic. No new injury news to report. Numbers to get in today here on Hale Varsity, 489-1240. 489-1240. Can dial up across the state wherever you hear us, one 800 825 5865 can email the show chris at hailvarsity.com or is it just elijah at heard at sports just elijah at heard at sports not just but it's elijah yeah. at her <laughs> just elijah it's elijah at heard at sports.com I'll, I'll just say as a younger person though out there if you want to get in contact with me my my dms just are DM? open on twitter just DM so, me. okay I check my DMs more often than I check my email. I'm not going to lie. If you want to slide in to Elijah's DMs, <laughs> you do that at Herbal Essence is where you find him on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Uh, no uh, sliding into, you can slide into my DMs, but not like that. Not, not like that. <laughs> I can see the bunny searching my phone. What is this? I don't know, sweetie. It's show related. Really? Okay. She doesn't sound like Linda Blair, uh, but that's what her voice sounds like to me in, in my mind. See, you know, uh, I, and it's, it's funny how different we are because I'd prefer if you slide into me I, my DMs or something not show-related, actually. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be about ideal, whatever you want to slide in with. I mean, if it's show-related, hey, I'll, I'll get back to you still. But. So, well, we need to play, we need to figure out, like, the, the dating game, the sports dating game, perhaps? Mm. No. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, you, you're, you're picky. I get it. No, but it's just like it doesn't matter if it's sports related or not. You you can hate sports if you like me. It doesn't matter. Okay. Well, sure. I I'm just saying, as, as big of a bowling aficionado as you are, maybe the next uh, uh, girlfriend would, would 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 you prefer her to be a bowler? Wouldn't hate it as long as she's not better than me. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm I, I say that kidding, but not really kidding. First time I, I, I kind of did a sports-related date with my wife, uh, she smoked me uh, on the basketball court. I mean, she, I, was, I, I got beat. Now, it was horse. We didn't play one-on-one. She didn't want any of that. You, you don't strike me as a shooter. I'm not. No. No. <laughs> wow. You strike me as like a, an effort defensive you, oh, guy. Oh, come on, man. I'm, I'm a roll guy. You're a glue guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, you're a roll well, guy. I, I'm, I'm not a rebounder, clearly at 5'9 and a half. I, I feel like you can probably slide your feet decently. Oh, absolutely not. Never mind then. Never no. Mind. So what are you no. good at about if you can't shoot? If you can't rebound and you can't move your feet defensively, what's your what's your game? I was probably the Lincoln YMCA version of Bill Lambeer. Enforcer. Go in there, commit the fouls. Because yeah. you can't move you your get, feet. You that get, makes you, sense. You get six of them. You're a different kind of defender. You're not a defender that moves your feet. You're a defender that nobody wants to go against you because you thought twice they're about end up going, on the ground. You yeah. thought twice about going to the paint. Ask Mozi. He was seven times everyone's size in seventh grade, and uh, it was hack-a-shack time with Mozi, our, our, our friend on the mornings locally here at KFOR. Oh, that'd be some great social media content now that it's no longer seventh grade. You guys are in your 40s. You and Mozi one-on-one. <laughs> I want to see it. Nobody wants to see it. Mozi emails No, no, no. I, I will say our good friends at Nebraska Orthopedic would probably love to see it because that'd be giving them some business, I'm sure. Right. Uh, both of us, uh, we would need re- knee replacements uh, pronto after that. Uh, Mozi does chime in. Yes, I was Lambeer without the mask. <laughs> uh, so football in our mind. Kind of a topic today, finding your footing. And this is something we didn't get to yesterday with Coach Tony White. And we'll hear him here in just a second. But he he commented about Nebraska's offense. And he was asked, what are you seeing from those guys each day? And it was more of a question as, okay, are are they improving? You know, what are you thinking? You can take it different ways. One way is your defense is really good this year and you're not getting much help from the offense and I think that's kind of how Tony White may have taken it. And immediately he gave some credit to what the offense has done. And, well, just hear it for yourself with Tony White. And it gets into a bigger picture discussion about Nebraska, where they're at, where they're at injury-wise, where they're at offensively, and, and where they're at as, as a team. But there's a silver lining we'll, we'll jump into in, in here in a minute. This is this is a personal deal, you know. I, I hear stuff about the offense and everything, and like, the, we are not as good on defense if it was if it wasn't for those guys. Like, period. You know what I mean? Like, I've been I've been on some stats where, where you know they didn't care about preparing the defense, and and we had troubles tackling. We had troubles going against heavy personnel. We had troubles stopping the run like that. You know what I mean? Like, so the DNA of the offense and them getting us getting each other ready to play ball. There, there's a reason why they're running for 200 yards a game and and we're able to play good enough run defense. You know what I mean, it's because of those guys. So we get a chance to see it and go up against them all the time. So, you know, it, I mean, they prepared us. They, they sharpened us. And, and hopefully as we keep on continuing to play, hopefully play well, it's it's because of them and, and how good they are. So as you're overviewing the Nebraska offense, their limited production, their injury situation, 
you have a vote of confidence and quite frankly a thank you from Tony White as to what they've helped create on the other side of the football defensively and the philosophy for Matt Rule is to have a defense that travels and that's that's what he wants. He wants great defenses because they'll win football games for you when push comes to shove. But the other philosophy here is, you know, why is Nebraska better? Why has Nebraska been able to win four out of five despite their offensive performance? You can point to the defense, but a byproduct of this offense has been making the defense better is what Tony White's talking about. This philosophy, Elijah, to prepare one another. And rules touched on it where you're, because of how they practice, it seems kind of boring to, to dive into, but it's it's really going to be a reason, one of several, as to why Nebraska could get to a bowl game this year, as, as how they've decided to practice. And what do we see when we look at a USC? What do we see when we look at some of the, 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 the pros and cons of a, wow, a team like Colorado that took college football by storm? the first two weeks of the season, and then almost scared USC. Well, you see one side of the ball emphasized, where it's high-flying and skill-driven, skill-position-driven, and where are they liable when they finally play somebody that's worth a damn? An Oregon, a Utah, it's the lines of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. That's what is bold and and kind of beautiful in gray skies is the lines of scrimmage play in in Big Ten football. So... I think it's pretty pretty important to to circle that prepping one another part as to why the defense is so good. And I don't think Tony White's just handing out compliments or backhanded compliments. I think he's very serious about it. And if you emphasize trying to beat the hell out of one another within reason, you're going to make the, the defense better. And at some point, the offense, you hope, will pop with – what you got on the line of scrimmage with a devoted running game. And you also think about the other side, too. Where has Nebraska's defense been somewhat liable? Uh, the passing game beyond 10 yards is where they've been somewhat liable whenever they don't get a pass rush going. How good a look in oh. practice are they getting? Yeah, cause, because like think about the, the Northwestern game. They have a couple of big plays down the field where one, Matt Rule said it on the football show this week, should have been an interception. Well, maybe it is an interception against Nebraska's offense in practice, but Northwestern's passing attack down the field, I think, was a little bit better than what Nebraska has right now, and they get burnt again later in the fourth quarter, and luckily Nebraska's defense stiffens up. Hartzog makes a great play. Uh, getting back down the field, not giving up on the play and making a tackle, holding him to three. But that's where Nebraska's defense has been susceptible whenever you think about it in the light third, that Tony White just kind of laid out. Third and long's been a nightmare. Yeah, where is Nebraska's offense not a threat to you? Third and long. Where are they probably not getting the same look as they're getting from other teams? Third and long, passing attack down the field. And and uh, it's, a, it's a different way to, to think about why the defense has been susceptible there, but... They probably aren't getting that same look in practice. Like, I, I do feel like Nebraska's offense, the best rushing defense that they play in a week-in, week-out basis, aside from Michigan, is that Husker defense they go up against every single yeah. weekend. And that's the that's the long-term vision for Matt Rules. He's laid it out. Talk about Husker football back in the 90s. You get a better look out all week at practice than you do once game day rolls around. The, the guys you're going up against Monday through Friday are better than who you're going up against Saturday. I think that is true not only for Nebraska's rushing attack offensively, but the rushing attack Nebraska's offense is throwing at the defenses as well. Both sides there are getting a good look. What can you get, though, from a look in the, the passing attack in practice, though? Well, play action. 
hopefully. I mean, <laughs> knowing where your eyes go. But I, I, I bet that Husker defense is going to be great against the option. I tell you what, if no, they ever well, get an option team, if they play Army this year. Uh, they are really good at, well, and in, in you're going to need to be on point. This is the most athletic quarterback they're going to face Saturday against Purdue. He's not a true option threat per se but he's going to move around and be a pain in the neck love you too brian brian could fill water bottles like a madman she says schmidt could fill fill water bottles like a madman yeah i mean so i i, did, I was not water boy uh but yeah I, I did drink a lot of water a couple times down the court's about all i could take schmidt was great day. at wiping up the sweat stains off the floor too whenever somebody I, I, went I down i did not do <laughs> custodial work not that there's anything wrong with it i'd, I'd be happy to, to to help pick up uh, Dion is going to a a, a darker place. Uh, we should bet on which players will be injured each week or be out for the year. Go check with the uh, our friends down at the Warhorse, Dion. I don't think that's a prop. <laughs> it can't be a prop. That, that's in poor taste. It yeah. should not be, be a, a prop. It, it should not be a a prop. Let's hear a little bit from Matt Rule. He commented on Tony White last night on the why. That's a big thing with college football today. Well, why did you hire a guy like Tony White? You nailed it. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've spoken on it before. You know, Tony was a player at UCLA when I came to be a graduate assistant. Uh, he was done, so he wasn't playing at the time that I got there, but he was still around. So I developed a little bit of a relationship with him. And as we kind of were in coaching, we talked a lot with each other. Always liked his demeanor, always liked his affect, followed him from afar. Um, when I came here, my longtime defensive coordinator, Phil Snow, had pretty much retired. Um, so I was, you know, looking at other options, other people. I wanted someone that was going to play the style of defense that, you know, we want to play. I wanted someone who would be multiple. Um, I wanted someone who, you know, I, I like the three-down stuff. There's a lot of questions early in the season about the three-three-five in the Big Ten and all that. So I thought it, it could be an outlier. And uh, having someone that I have a relationship with, but more importantly, I really like the way that they think, the way they do things. Um, I was excited to get them here. And you know, there, there's off in the distance worry about keeping him here because of how good he has done not only in his different stops but the impression he has made in Lincoln through year one now a lot of football left and you want this defense to hold up it's going to be important that the offense pitches in to um to not put everything on the shoulders of the defense. Defense's mindset, who cares, don't care, what's next, right? Uh, they're they're going to be ready to bring it on. You didn't see them really blink in that second half against Illinois. They didn't really blink with the start of the Northwestern game. They embraced the challenge despite the field position or the uh, deflation of, of just the, the, the momentum and emotional part of Oh, here you go again. Defense has made that switch. They have flipped that switch at least through the last two games of being able to take on any situation on the football field when it comes to sudden change or tough starts or your job's to go out there and stop them no matter where the football was. Well, that was really put to the test to start out things uh, against Northwestern. And, and when you think about the defense, like how close it feels like they are to being elite. The fact that, like, I mean, the, the the teams that have scored more than two touchdowns on you this year, Colorado, a bit of an outlier with how that second half felt. In Michigan, an outlier considering they knew all Nebraska signals. Kidding. They're, they're just that much better. Um, but other than that, it's nine points against So what are you telling me? Are you telling me 
that that really it was more than more of a seventeen point ball game. No, not no, no, I, no. no. doesn't matter. They kicked the hell out of Nebraska. Yeah, it does not matter. But Michigan like, does not matter. But nine points to Northwestern, seven points to Illinois, eleven to Northern Illinois, garbage time. Louisiana Tech scored 14, 13 from Minnesota. Like this defense is just a couple takeaways from being an absolutely elite defense. And I'm not talking like like good Fort Nebraska has been in the top last. 10 years elite. I mean, they're already there. It's it's kind it's, of it's, it's like elite skewed, skewed because you can compare the defense to almost 2009 if they start getting some takeaways. Well, and you you, you don't have a Sue. You don't think you have a Sue uh, on this defense. You know, if some guys stick around, what do they look like their senior season? And I'm talking about Ty and, and Nash. But no, in comparison, they absolutely look elite. They look elite in the moment, and they'll be called upon to to be what carries this Nebraska football team to the finish line. We'll get Mike Babcock's perspective from Hale Varsity. That's on the way. Great to be with you on a Wednesday with Hale Varsity. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herb, but we welcome in Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity. And you want to get his newsletter, his bi weekly newsletter. Uh, be sure to send an email out, MikeB at herdadsports.com. Babbers, how are we doing on a Wednesday? Thanks for the time. I'm doing okay. I'm adjusting to the uh, weather adjustment back and forth. Yeah, and that's absolutely what this great state is. It's 76 and grill weather yesterday. It's gloomy today. It's going to be cold Saturday. And I want to start off, and and Dion in the stream uh, throws this out there about the weather and uh, the weather affecting Purdue and what they want to do offensively. Do you think it's going to be more harmful or potentially harmful or effective uh, against a Purdue offense than, than what Nebraska wants to do? Let's start there. And good question from Dion. And, you know, you get to this time of year and Matt Rule's eyes kind of lit up talking about November weather at his Monday presser. Yeah, well, you've got to be able to run the ball when, when you play in this kind of weather. You know, that's what Tom Osborne always said about why they ran the offense that they did because there were going to be times – when the weather was going to be really a factor in the game, cold weather, wind, whatever, you've got to be able to establish a running game. And I think that's that's to Nebraska's advantage. Uh, if if forecast is correct for Saturday, uh, I think that's to Nebraska's advantage because I think that's 
the strength of Nebraska on offense as we go along, although we've got a we've got a restructured offensive line that has to be taken into consideration. Um, not that the guys can't play, but uh, as a group, you know, they haven't worked together uh, as much as you would have liked. But uh, Nebraska's defense that you talked about, number four nationally against the run, I think Purdue is going to have a really difficult time establishing any kind of a run. And if you want to throw the ball, uh, the weather is not going to be conducive to that for one thing. And for another thing, in order to throw the ball, I think you have to be able to have some kind of a running threat. And I think Nebraska can shut that down. Mike, to you, with, with Purdue, you think they're going to struggle to run it with the weather. You think they're probably going to struggle a little more to throw it than they usually do. And then with Nebraska, the, the uncertainty and the question marks along the offensive line with what that's going to look like following another couple of injuries. Is this a, a first to seven or a first to ten kind of game at Memorial Stadium on Saturday? Well, <laughs> yeah, it could be. Let's say first to ten. Let's let's really have a scoring explosion kind of a thing here in this <laughs> in this, in this situation. Yeah, it, it could be. Um, you know, because again, you, you've got. I think you've got some talented guys stepping in on the offensive line, uh, but they're young guys. Uh, they haven't worked with the guys that they're going to be working with. Um, except during this week in practice. Um, so I think there's going to be some issues uh, for Nebraska from that standpoint, and I definitely think it's going to, uh, again, if the weather forecast holds in any way, I do, I do think it's going to affect what uh, uh, Purdue can do offensively. And Purdue's defense has not exactly uh, established itself as a, as a dominant uh, defense. I think it's in the uh, total defenses and the – in the low 90s nationally and uh, against the run about 80th. Uh, so, I, I again, I think the balance goes in Nebraska's favor there uh, when you consider the weather and Nebraska's ability to run the ball. Mike, what do you think we can see from Nebraska's passing game? I know run the football, run the option has been – most effective for Nebraska, but they were really dicey throwing the football uh, aside from the knockout shot to Malachi Coleman, which makes up for most of the day throwing the football. And that's got to get better. They're continuing to work on that, I know. But how big a part do you think throwing the football will be on Saturday for Nebraska? Well, it's kind of the reverse of of Purdue's offense in that um, if, if you can establish the run and you do some of that option, um, that opens up some passing situations. Um, and you can utilize the tight end in those passing situations. I'm talking about what, what Tom Osborne did. But, um, you know, the, uh, the important factor is that you get receivers in there that are willing to uh, block as well as catch the ball. So you're not throwing the ball that often, but when you do, um, you have an opportunity to complete it because it's not something that the defense necessarily is going to anticipate. Again, if you get that running game going on a consistent basis, but you know the passing game is something that Nebraska has to has to improve on. There, there's no question about that. So Mike Babcock with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. We're brought to you 
by Cornhead Logger. And Mike, whenever you, you think about what this Nebraska and Purdue series has been in recent years, it's probably going to look a little bit different on Saturday because it's no longer that, that high-flying Jeff Brom offense. There's still some air raid tendencies within Purdue, but it's going to look a little bit different there. And their, their defense, while it's a work in progress, it flies around a little bit more. It's a little bit more physical. They're closer to what you'd expect a Big Ten team uh, to be on the defensive side of the ball, at least they're getting there. And I'd like to get your takes on on just like kind of the, the two different directions that some programs within the Big Ten are going with. Nebraska and Purdue kind of getting back to the, the physical, defensive-minded football that's made a lot of Big Ten teams successful in recent years. Kind of feels like Purdue and Nebraska are on the same wavelength there. And then you compare them to the likes of, of Wisconsin, who Phil Longo and that, that team, they want to be – uh, a lot more pass-heavy moving forward. And I want to get your thoughts on kind of the, the stylistic matchup that we get to see on Saturday at Memorial Stadium because it does feel like two teams that are trying to return the, the Big Ten to its roots of, of physical football led by the defense. Yeah, well, I agree with you, Elijah. And, you know, the obvious thing, starting Purdue, hiring Ryan Walters, whose background is defense. I mean, he was a defensive coordinator at Illinois the last two years. Uh uh, Rule called him a defensive mastermind, I think, um, at, at the news conference on Monday. Um, so obviously there's an emphasis there on defense. Now they've got a ways to go. When you look at it statistically, they've, you know, they don't rank that well on a, on a national basis, but that's the direction that they're trying to go, I think, with the hiring of Walters. With Nebraska, yeah, it's obviously a, a point of emphasis and I think you know we've seen results and it's you've got some solid guys that you rely on on a consistent basis you know guys like Robinson guys like Hotmacher um, Luke Reimer now who, who's back um, and, and but they're rotating in a lot of guys they're getting guys in there and giving them an opportunity and they're stepping up and I thought it was interesting that uh you know, Matt Rule was working with the scout team defense early in the week. Um, again, to help the offense in practice, uh, he's working with, this, with the scout team defense. And that kind of attitude gets uh, James Williams in the game for a handful of plays on Saturday, and he makes a sack. And Nebraska has eight sacks. Second time they've done that this season. At eight against Colorado, I think. And they've got 24 for the season. Um, so they're getting some pressure there. Um, now you just need to get to force some turnovers. But defense is, is where the where the Huskers are are uh, stepping up. I think uh, at this point. Mike Babcox with us from Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, what do you think of of what we're seeing? With Nebraska, and I want to, Elijah and I talked about this this week, but specifically some of the personnel you see on third down. Uh, and, and James Williams is one of those guys that, what is he? He is a third down pass rush specialist, like you see in the NFL. And I'm not crowning the guy after one game, but that's what they saw in him, and that's how they're using him. You look at Bayer as a guy that uh, has been really high level when he's been on the field. And having guys that are specialists at different spots on the defensive side uh nebraska's done really well with with dropping guys in in certain situations and letting them thrive yeah well and it's it's good for the for the players because the players know that if they work hard in practice 
they're going to have an opportunity to get on the field. I mean, Matt Rule has talked about that. If he sees that in practice, they're going to find a way to get the guy on the field. So I think that's a good way to go about it um, is that you, for one thing, you're, you're not having guys that have to be on the field for every snap uh, uh, defensively when uh, you can get people to rotate in there in certain situations, certain packages, and uh, it rests guys on the one hand, and on the other hand, it gives guys who have worked hard in practice an opportunity to to get on the field and to see that uh, their commitment to hard work is, is paying off. It's being rewarded. And I think that's the way, you know, that's the situation with Williams. If you look at the depth chart, his name still is on the depth chart. <laughs> just on, there just on third play. and eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, but he gets in there. He has an opportunity. He's on the scout or demonstration team now, I guess is the term that, that, that they call it. Um, and uh, getting on the field, he gets on the grass. Um, he, he has an opportunity to do that because of what he's done on the scout team. But he's apparently still on the scout team um, or the demonstration team, mm-hmm. but he gets that opportunity. I think that's good. I think the rotate, rotate guys in there, I think it's good for – for uh, for everyone. And uh, Matt Rule did confirm on the coaches show this week that James Williams will, uh, if all goes to plan, be retaining his red shirt this year. So only three more games left for Williams. Mike, before we get you out of here, though, about 60 seconds, I need to get your thoughts. We got some schedule news about Nebraska in 2025 yesterday. We didn't get a chance to hit on it. Cincinnati and Nebraska will be in 2025, as well as Houston Christian. Did you also have to look up who the hell Houston Christian was? No, because I saw that the it said it used to be Houston Baptist. So I, but when I first saw Houston Christian, I thought, uh, wait a minute, is this a, it's a private this a high school? Or is this a team? <laughs> it's both. <laughs> it's like Howard, like playing some guy named Howard. Yeah, you know, which Northwestern did. Do you like that neutral? <laughs> do you like that neutral site spot though, Babbers? Quick thirty seconds yeah, in, in Indy. It, it's not taking a home game away from Nebraska. So yeah, I think that's interesting. That uh, that they'll play Cincinnati in the in Indianapolis. That that'll be good. I think good exposure, uh, which always helps recruiting and all kinds of things. Well, that's a pretty talent-rich region around that area. Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity. Uh, send him an email so you can get his biweekly. Uh, newsletter, and that's Mike B at HerdAntSports.com. Babbers, we will see you a little bit later this week. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you, Mike. There he is. Follow Mike on Twitter at MDBabs. Some thoughts from Mr. Hoiberg and a little bit more on Nebraska-Purdue. Hail Varsity continues as we're presented by Cornhead Lager. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Cornhead Lager. Purchases help NIL through the 18. 18- 90 initiative. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. And again, slide into his 
DMs. Please. Sports or otherwise. <laughs> at Schmidt underscore radio. Do you look like Taylor Swift? Slide in my DMs. Yeah. Do you earn like Taylor Swift? Slide into my DMs. <laughs> Kidding, bunny. There's only, um, yeah, there's only one person out there that earns like Taylor Swift, just, and that just is Taylor, Taylor Swift. Right. So. We'll uh, dive in. Uh, you had Fred Hoiberg make an appearance today on the Morning Hookup. That's locally in Lincoln uh, with Bill Hooks and Will Wilson. So we'll get some of those comments here in just a touch. And, yeah, maybe even a Taylor Swift question uh, in Hour 2. Evan Bland is coming up. And the mother of all reactions, you've got to hear, and it's edited for radio, so none of us are fired by 6 p.m., but Philly fan, all 20 of them lost their mind with a man-on-the-street interview. This was genius, as you had a Philadelphia radio host on an FM station out there with a mic and just asking folks who weren't even really liquored up. They were just besieged by anger. So that is coming up at, at 525, 489-1240, 489-1240. To get in here on Hale Varsity Radio, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We'll get to some emails, but some more stream questions to get into. can always participate. Watch the show with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed is where you can catch the show live or rewind it as well. So uh, Montana Husker chimes in, and I wonder how many of you agree with this or feel like this because it's a good way to look at uh, the Cornhead Lager pint being half full. As bleak as the offense has been, it's been great to see the superior depth NU has among the other Big Ten West teams finally show that's pure coaching. And a lot of times you got to go back a lot of years to see a backup quarterback go in a football game, Elijah. You got to go back to uh, Ron Kellogg coming in against Northwestern and also getting a pretty vicious road win in the snow and wind and Happy Valley. That comes to my mind. Matt Terman against a is incredibly good Kansas State team. That's 1994. Uh, Brooke Beringer, of course, a lot of years, uh, a lot of games, I should say, in that 94 season. But a lot of times when you have to play the backup, you are in trouble. And for years, Nebraska was able to find ways to win a number of games because of, again, how they prepared, how they practiced, and uh, that was getting everybody ready. So uh, with what Harburg's done, has it been perfect? No. Has it been dicey at times? Yes. Throwing the football. Has it been uh, physical? Absolutely. With what he's brought to this offense in the run game, take him away as the leading rusher and the guy that's made a few plays throwing the football. Uh, where would this team be? What would this record be? And you're going to get a chance to see Nebraska's developmental attention on display Saturday and beyond. That's going to be a key thing for Nebraska moving forward. Wisconsin impressed me. They went and won with a backup quarterback uh, in Illinois Saturday. Uh, so they uh, they had one that looked like it was going to slip away, and they pulled a 180. Uh, you have Tim chime in, uh, kind of piggybacking off of uh, backups and development. Doesn't this attrition prove to potential recruits that rule serious about developing his players? Listen, man, if I'm a defensive player and I see what's going on 
even if there's a small role that's impactful with this group of defensive freshmen on the D-line, sign me up. Uh, if I am a guy in, in offense and uh, you look at bricks and not so subtly Nebraska parking their big rig out in front of Bricks's high school today <laughs> that was put up by on three, uh, just as a reminder to him about Nebraska football as he makes his college choice between Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Kansas State. Maybe we can't go see you again because it's game week, but we can send the big red 18-wheeler uh, over to Iowa to say hi. But yeah, I mean, what what is being told in the living room or on a recruiting visit, unofficial or official, about getting you ready uh, to play college football and then set you up for a chance to play and get a second contract. Rules talked well, a lot about that. Those are things that, that Matt Rule's serious about, and you're seeing some of it on display this season. When having guys that are ready to go, that's, that's in, in, least in a backup role. They can come in and, and step up and make a play if, if needed, come play a week or two, maybe a, a month, maybe it's the rest of the year. That, that feels like throughout the rest of college football, it's not standard everywhere, but it's been a hell of a lot better than it has been at Nebraska over the past six mm-hmm. or seven years. I mean, think back to the, the Bo Pelini teams. Like 2010, Sean Fisher goes down preseason, and who steps up and steps in? This junior college transfer named Levante David. Ah, oh, turns out he ended up being pretty good. And then um, that same year, 2010, I think Amukamara missed a game. I could be wrong there, but you have Siante Evans mm-hmm. standing behind, ready to go. And then behind Siante Evans, you have uh, Alfonso Dinnard a couple years later. Like There was always guys waiting in the wings with the Bo Pelini team. And if they needed to be called upon, you know what? They weren't as elite as the starter that you had, but they were ready to step up and step in and, and be ready to go. And you're kind of seeing that already with Matt Rule, and it speaks to the development that he's been able to put in place already. The fact that you have had guys ready to go in that wide receiver room, we're going to find out about that that offensive line room, but on some spots in the defense, you've had guys, some younger guys, ready to step in and maybe not fill the shoes completely, but they're at least a, a close enough fit that you can wear them around and it's going gonna, it's gonna to do the job. It, it speaks to the development that Matt Rule's been able to get that in year one already, but Simply put, if you want to be a, a high-level top 25 program. type of, of program that Nebraska really should be, that's how it is. Somebody com- goes down, your next guy who is, is going to be the starter here in two years, he's going to be ready to go, and he's going to get some some time on the football field, speeding up that development. It's going to make him even better in the long run. And and I think there's some PTSD from Husker fans seeing guys come off the bench and, oh, wow, they look pretty good. They look ready to go. There's a standard. There's a standard with teams that want to be top 25. There's a standard with teams that are already in the top 25 that whenever somebody goes down, there's going to be somebody behind them that's going to be your starter, at least according to your plan, in one to two years, and they're going to be ready to step in and fill those shoes. Well, two things. One, what is the evaluation like? Are you bringing in a talented guy that you can get better and he can get better? Two, uh, what's the drop-off level? It can't be disastrous where – you lose your dude, and whoever's behind him, second or third team, shouldn't be playing. Well, Nebraska's been caught in some years where they've had to play guys either too early or they were stuck with playing a guy because this is the best we got and somebody else ain't ready yet, so we're not going to throw them to the but wolves. In, in previous years, like you go back 
2011, it was Stanley Jean-Baptiste, a wide receiver coming in on the defensive side of the ball on one week of training that was able to step in and fill his shoes. That's just what it needs to be in a college football program that wants to be in the, the 10-2 and two to 11-1 range is, you know what, even if the, the guy we have behind you is not ready, we're going to find somebody on that football team that is ready and is going to be able to go at least be uh, not a negative on whatever side of the ball they're stepping in on. And I have one correction to make. It was not Alfonso Dinard down the road. It was Alfonso Dinard who went down clearing space and time for Siante Evans mm-hmm. to come in and make plays. I had, to get, I had that flipped. Wanted to make sure for the record that I, uh, I corrected myself and got it right. Nope, you're good. You're good. We'll uh, wind down this first hour as Hale Varsity continues powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down this first hour, reminder you can catch the show multiple ways live across the Hale Varsity Radio network, Hale Varsity YouTube channel, and Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. We are presented by Cornhead Logger, and purchases help support NIL through the 18. 18- 90 initiative 489-1240 number to get in 800-825-5865 use your seat belt it saves lives it prevents injuries only if properly worn buckle up a message from the nebraska department of highway safety office so fred hoiberg jumped on with the morning hookup earlier today now, I highly encourage you out there, if you haven't checked this out in full, it's awesome, kfornow.com, you can find the full sit-down. It's about 30 minutes they actually got with Fred, as well as former Husker Henry T. Buchanan. Uh, they, they've done this about twice a year now. They've sat down with Fred on this show. It's always awesome. They had really good stuff this morning. We obviously can't play it all, so mm. encourage you to check it out in full on your own if you can. So this was a question posed to Fred, Coach Hoiberg, by Will Wilson on – celebrities making appearances at PBA. Hey, Coach, you know what I keep wondering? How, how are we going to get Taylor Swift to a game this year? <laughs> that's a great question. I'm not sure I'm not sure she's going to want to uh, be with any of the guys on this roster, that's for sure. But, yeah, that, that'd, be, that'd be pretty cool. That, that, it's just amazing how that whole uh, thing has played. My wife all of a sudden is a big uh, Chiefs fan. So. Pretty good. So I, I, I love Will saying, how's Taylor find her way from Arrowhead? to uh, to PBA. Now, has she played Omaha? She's played Omaha before, hasn't she? She's played Lincoln before, Omaha, I'm not sure. I don't think she's played Lincoln. She's done. She's been in Omaha a couple, three years ago, her last tour. Does that sound right? I know that you, of Taylor Swift album drop fame on Twitter, at Herbal Essence, realize that Nebraska's pretty good after a bye week, or is it Purdue's very bad after a bye week and an album drop or redrop by Taylor Swift? Purdue is uh, actually very bad following. 0-9? Yeah. 0-9. It's a bad point The research done by Elijah Herbal there. I've gone on uh, taylorswift.fandom.com forward slash wiki and found the last time Taylor Swift played in Omaha – as uh, the CenturyLink Center back when it was still called that back in 2015. She has performed wow. a grand total of four times, 2011, 2013, and 2015. Mm. Ever since then, though, she's been too big for little old Nebraska, I guess. Uh, hopefully she'll find her way. Who would you, who's the famous person you'd like to see at PBA at a, at a Husker basketball game? Because, I mean, when they opened the joint, they had Tommy Lee back, and he traded his drum set for whatever electronic box he was slamming. He was... He was DJ Tommy Lee, so that mm. connection never went away. What famous person. 
Like, there's a difference between performing at PBA and being there for a Husker basketball game. No, and I'm not asking performance. I'm just talking like Star Wars. Because performance-wise, get me Kanye West down at PBA. Okay. I will spend get, thousands of dollars on get him, seats there. Sure. Get, get, yeah, get Kanye a, a Husker jersey, too, apparently. And, if, if we're talking just there to watch a game. Because there was some, some dudes here for Nebraska-USC a billion years ago on the sideline for USC and there was there was Snoop and Will Ferrell and those guys out there at the Coliseum when Nebraska played USC in 2006. So they were all there at SC to support, you know, Pete Carroll. Do you have a, an answer for you'd like to see at a Husker basketball game? Give me Charles Barkley. That's a good answer. Give me Chuck. I'm not sure I can beat that. That's Give a good me answer. Charles Barkley and maybe Jordan. Who knows? Probably not at the Adidas school. Hour two's on the way. Evan Bland with the World Herald coming up. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. The unbelievable man-on-the-street Philly fan reaction And it went about as well as you'd expect from Philly fan. Uh, Think about how insane it was when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and the debauchery that took place with the uh, police horses. Uh, You have uh, fans at level 13 on DEFCON. uh, And I know it's supposed to be DEFCON 2 means worse, but uh, it was squared and multiplied and 13's a new whole level of hell for Philly fan. They were in rare form yeah, and they, even for them last night. And they they always in Philadelphia before big sporting events grease all the poles in yeah. downtown Philly to make sure that people aren't climbing up on them and tearing them down all of the goalposts. And it was probably smart last night because some of those fans sounded like they were ready to jump off the light poles. So Right. So either, either way, a good idea to grease the light poles in Philly. Yeah, and, uh, and duck and cover. We uh, welcome in Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland OWH on Twitter is where you can follow him, and Omaha.com is where you read Evan. Evan, interesting week for Nebraska. Thanks for giving us a few minutes. How you doing? Hey, yeah, doing well, guys. Um, and you're right about Philly fans. Uh, if they lose the way that they just did in that series, I would not want to be anywhere near that city right now, my goodness. Yeah, it is intense. We we may know somebody or have a friend that have either come from Philly or worked in Philly, and it is rough, dude. I mean, it is intense. And, um, yeah, Philadelphia is, you know, the home of brotherly love and the brotherly shove uh, with uh, quarterback <laughs> sneaks, but they, uh, they don't like losing, totally get it. Uh, let's talk about, uh, and, and quite honestly, the, the 180 is – Nebraska fan. Now, maybe, God forbid, uh, we we need to try this for Nebraska. But but flip it around and get their reaction after a dare I say big win. How uh, how would Husker fan react to said big win versus soul crushing game seven loss uh, that Philly was dealing with uh, yesterday? You're going to get raw emotion, but 
those flip it around and get raw joy. You just got to make sure those big wins happen. Uh, Saturday, a big game for both teams, Nebraska and Purdue. And, you know, Evan, as you look at Nebraska right now, what is your level of expectation for this offense, knowing what they're dealing with uh, on the injury front? Well, you know, I I think – with the offensive line taking kind of the latest round of, of hits there, um, you know, it's, I think honestly they've had the depth to the point to where there shouldn't be that big of a drop-off. Now that's not to downplay what Turner Corcoran's meant or Ethan Piper's meant or, or Nuri Willie's meant to the offense. But, you know, you look at who is, is replacing those guys. Teddy Prohaska would have been the starter all year last year if he hadn't had that shoulder injury and, and thing that he was working back from. You know, Henry Latusky has been the sixth man for the offensive line for like two years. Uh, they like Justin Evans Jenkins as a guy who was a, a sought-after recruit out of New Jersey in high school. He's been in the program for more than a year now. So, like, I, I think those guys can come in and, and be serviceable in what Nebraska wants them to do is sort of a – body blows, rushing attacks sort of offense. Um, you know, Malachi Coleman now has his big moment out of the way. He's, he's more comfortable um, and settled into the college game. Jaden Doss it has a full week to prepare to be the starter as sort of that slot receiver. So, you know, I think it's, the story is kind of similar to what it's been with the offense, which is, you know, they're going to shorten the game. Uh, they're going to have to pick their spots uh, with the passes. And then just beyond that, you can't make the silly mistakes. You can't put the ball on the turf. Um, you know, the, the fact that they fumbled three times against Northwestern and recovered all of them, like that, that's a much different storyline. If they lose even one or two of those fumbles and, and that turns into points and maybe that turns the game. So that to me is, is kind of where it's at uh, to the point to where, you know, the, the top end talent isn't what Nebraska wants it to be ultimately, but I think they have enough serviceable players that, again, if you – play the game out and you rely on your defense and special teams gives you a little something, then it just comes down to, can you hold on to the ball? Can you play the field position game? And I think if Nebraska's offense can do that, they absolutely can win this game against Purdue and, and be in pretty much every game the rest of the stretch. So is it fair to say that if you're going to be throwing some of these guys on the offense into the fire, that the time to do it is now with, with Purdue, what they bring defensively what Nebraska's defense has shown you in the past couple weeks it's almost a case of well at least you're getting their feet wet now as opposed to having to throw them into the fire against say Wisconsin or against Iowa at the end of the year is that kind of how you're feeling about this yeah I mean again on offense you don't really have a lot of choice like you're you're sort of reacting to the injuries that are out there and you need somebody in there and and the, the players and coaches will all tell you next man up mentality and all the rest um you know, I, I think it, it's kind of interesting in the sense that it might affect some redshirt discussions. And Matt Rule alluded to that this week. This idea that you know guys who maybe were ticketed for three or four games and saving that season uh, might play a little bit more now, and, and that might mean fifty or sixty snaps a game. Um, and, and so it's interesting, right? Because like I, th- I keep thinking about one of the narratives going into the season was how do you win now if you're Nebraska, but also build for the future. And I think. In a, in, a, in a sort of unintended way, that's what we're seeing is is they're finding ways to win, uh, albeit working through flaws and mistakes. But now you're also getting uh, repetitions to game, valuable reps to these younger players uh, like a Justin Evans Jenkins, like 
the receivers that we mentioned, um, you know, a number of defenders as well. So, you know, in a way, Nebraska's kind of getting the best of both worlds where they're competitive week in and week out. Uh, it looks like we're in for more of the same over these last five regular season games. And, again, you look ahead to 24 and 2025, uh, you know, Nebraska's building depth before our eyes. And, um, you know, maybe that could be something that's going to affect how we look at future seasons too. Evan, has Nebraska seen enough of themselves – to be confident in tight ball games. You just won one against Northwestern, the ultimate one-score game with the Nebraska and Northwestern series. You look back to, to how many of those games have been one-score games and how many of them have been one-score losses by Nebraska historically. You win by double digits, but it sure as heck didn't feel like that at Illinois. So there's two tight ball games in a row where you, you built a lead and kind of had to hang on with some miscues, and you built a lead, but you came from behind, albeit it was, you know, 3 nothing. But from a confidence standpoint, do you think Nebraska maybe has turned a corner mentally with uh, how they perform in tight games? Yeah, I think so. And we really saw it against Illinois for the first time where – you know, one of those fumbles in the red zone in the fourth quarter, uh, one interception maybe a year or two ago would have turned the tide and uh, things would have gone against Nebraska. And now we're seeing, like, the best way I keep thinking of it is we see, we're seeing the manifestation of the culture. So, like, when players hear for, for weeks and months about getting 1% better, about, uh, you know, winning the next rep, about being relentless and disciplined and violent, about what's next, like, all that stuff – that they hear over and over and over again, like that's what we've seen in these wins that they've had where, yeah, there's been, uh, you know, trouble with ball security. Maybe Northwestern makes a, a big play offensively, um, but they have, they're held to three points. And like, I, I think that's what Nebraska has gotten really good at. Um, and certainly since the Michigan game has been having a shorter memory about things. Okay. You got burned on one play. What's next? Okay. You had a good play. Uh, what's next? You move on to the next thing. Uh, certainly the defense has shown, um, that that's a strength on that side of the ball. I think the offense, for all of its flaws, has been the same way. I mean, you think about the slow start that they had last week. They could have packed it in, um, but they were able to, to figure some things out and score enough points down the stretch. So um, I, I think that's kind of where this thing is going. This team's learning how to win in real time. And when you think about, like, the the construction or the, the rebuild of this program, like the the recruiting element of that's going to come. They're going to hit it hard in the offseason again uh, with high school kids and probably the transfer portal. But the culture piece, I think, is what you're really seeing settle in now um, just with, with players' ability to overcome adversity, to have short memories, to move on quickly from things, to know what's expected of them. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing that's going to serve them well in these last five games where, again, there's no Ohio State, there's no uh, Michigan left on the schedule. These are all teams that are that are flawed, that are very even to Nebraska in a lot of ways. Um, and so it's going to come down to those little things. And, you know, sometimes those little things are about not making the mistakes as opposed to being super talented and, and doing something above and beyond. So I think that's what uh, Nebraska is working through, and that's what's going to keep it competitive here um, for the next month. Evan, when you talk about Nebraska's mindset and what we've heard from World to be 1% better every single day, whenever you look at Nebraska's progress and development this year, what do you think – Nebraska's uh, 
being, I guess, 7% better against Purdue look like? It's roughly 7% better. If they're 7% better against, say, uh, Purdue than they are against Northwestern, how does that manifest itself on the field, do you think? Well, I think it's really a lot of what we're talking about. It's cleaning up some of the mistakes. It's being able to move on from those mistakes. Um, and I think this time of year, too, when it, the weather gets colder, when the injury reports are getting longer every week on players who are questionable or out, like this is the time of year when depth and player development really start to shine through. I mean, we, there's been so much talk about on defense, how they rotate, you know, 25 guys in and out and see meaningful snaps. Well, you get to November and suddenly everybody has like the equivalent of a game or two uh, uh, less on their legs at this point, or offensively when you have guys go down uh, that have been key, you have somebody waiting in the wings because they've been getting a lot of practice reps and because the coaches have been evaluating them too. I think that's uh, maybe an area that Nebraska can, can have an advantage in, moving forward is, again, despite all the injuries on offense, uh, there are serviceable players. Uh, maybe they're young, maybe they're inexperienced, but there are, are talented guys who have put in the work behind the scenes. And that's not necessarily the case everywhere, where you get into the season and the focus is on the ones or the twos and somebody goes down and you're not sure how that next guy up uh, will necessarily handle uh, meaningful reps or, or being in the game. And, and I think Nebraska's um, – you know, it invested in those guys in that way. And, and, and this is the month, again, where all the, the attrition sets in. It gets cold. People get tired. Um, this is that time when a lot of that investment can pay off. To, you, you've got three guys that have been invested in on the offensive line from the recruiting trail to now. And, and the guy that Evans, in Evans Jenkins that, you know, the Frost staff really liked and brought in. You've got Lutowski that's, uh, you know, a, a high-level offensive lineman that you, you battled and won. And then Teddy P was just up the road for you. And, man, he has looked really good when he's been healthy and he's trying to get back to that form. What offensive lineman of those three are you kind of keying in on for, for Saturday? Well, I mean, they're all pretty interesting in their own ways. I think, you know, Teddy's probably the guy who had the highest – recruiting profile and pedigree you know he could have gone to a lot of places um you know in, in a lot of ways <clears throat> he's not the the kind of backup that you would be used to sort of inserting at this time like if he hadn't gotten hurt last year he could have been and probably would have been the full season starter and and maybe would have held that role even coming into this year it's hard to say but I think, you know, how how um, up to speed is he? It sounds like he's all the way back. I mean, Matt Rule said even for the Michigan game last month, Teddy wasn't quite there, and they were easing him back through with some of these jumbo tight end packages and things like that. But, um, you know, has he sort of shaken the last remnants of that injury, and can he be 100%? He's, he's probably the one that I'm I would look at the most um, from that perspective. And then also just the fact that, you know, he because he was able to redshirt last year. He's somebody that, if he really settles in, he, he was already kind of viewed as the guy who could anchor uh, that left side of the line for years to come. And and this is really an, uh, an sort of in you know live audition to doing that in front of Matt Rule's staff for the first time this year. You know, Teddy could be that guy for Nebraska for the next couple of years. So how does he sort of jump into the fire and and acquit himself here um, over the course of the next five weeks? Evan, before we get you out, we got about. 
Oh, a little over 60 seconds here. Victor Wimbenyama makes his NBA debut tonight. I need to get your thoughts. You're the resident Spurs fan. Uh, what is your excitement level to see Victor Wimbenyama? It's no longer preseason. It's a, it's a real live fire bullets tonight. What is your excitement level like? Oh, you're you're great for um, you know appeasing me with a question like that. No, it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. Uh, I I kind of had to duck my head as a Spurs fan the last year or two, which you know <laughs> after after 20 years of, of being in the title conversation, I suppose that's fine. But no, he's a uh, generational kind of guy. His scouts that are smarter than me say he's the most prominent prospect since LeBron James 20 years ago. Um, and I just the the blocking, I think part of it is really the most interesting thing to me. I mean, he's 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 seven four. He can shoot. He has dribbling ability. But like the way that he makes NBA players look short and can alter the game defensively uh, is really fascinating. And I'll be really excited to see you know how he can do that for the Spurs moving forward, and then how much better they can be this year. Well, uh, the uh, Spurs ban on postseason, I think, may get lifted. You've had a, a really nice run of number one picks, Evan. You guys have always got the. The lottery ball to bounce your way, baby. <laughs> Going back to the Admiral and then Timmy D and all the international flavor and yeah, Pop is still there screaming. So I, I you know, I love it. <laughs> the conspiracy theories with the lottery, though, they they write themselves. They 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 what? may. Uh, Evan, we'll see you on Saturday. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, guys. There he is, Evan Bland, with us from the World Herald. Philly fan will lose their mind next. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity Radio, 489-1240-800-825-5865. Keep the questions coming in the stream. Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Cornhead Logger. Helping bring you Hale Varsity Radio. Walter Hales from just outside Philly. That's where he's listening in. Dion, make that eat beef, says, give me Dwayne Wade and Gabriel Union. It goes back to hour one's reference by our friend Will Wilson. His question to Fred Hoiberg about getting Taylor Swift to PBA. Could uh, that maybe happen? Well, here's something to think about, Schmitty. Here's something to think about. USC joining the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Bronny expected to be a one and done. Sure. But if he's not, USC Comes to Lincoln year Bank two. Arena, could LeBron James be in attendance? Because he's going to have to carry the Lakers again this year. I'm not so sure how, how much left he's got left in his legs. 21 he's, years. He's still the best player, and there's still that rumor out there that he wants to play with Bronny, but that cooled a little bit in the offseason saying, you know what, it's his career, it's not mine, I need to make sure that that uh, that he's living out his dream, not living out my dream. So you never know. Maybe LeBron makes a little appearance over at Pinnacle Bank Arena for a, a brawny game between USC and Nebraska. You never know. Just throw well, it out there. We, we shall see. Uh, Engfield uh, was awesome with his Florida Gulf Coast squad in uh, Dunk U back in 2014. He's done well at USC. And let's talk recruiting here real quick. And uh, Grant Bricks, I, I love the fact, and we touched on it earlier, how would this grab you, Elijah, if you're an offensive lineman and Nebraska is giving you the attention, they've had you in, it's been high-level interest. Oklahoma's done pretty well with their offensive linemen 
uh, that have gone to the NFL, and Walter Rouse is certainly doing well, and the Sooners have stayed unscathed, although it might be dangerous for him in Lawrence this weekend. So OU's a tough fight. K-State and Kleiman's uh, pretty remarkable with what he's done in his career, his line of scrimmage expertise. So Nebraska's in it against uh, two teams that have, quite frankly, played better football for a lot of years, and Oklahoma's at least been to a playoff. K-State's won a Big 12 championship. But Nebraska's equalizer is that 18-wheeler, that Peterbilt 18-wheeler Husker Semi making an appearance. It's better than a billboard. It's, quite frankly, get a top. Uh, maybe not top, but maybe there's a there's a handwritten note right under the windshield wiper for Mr. Bricks. I don't know. Uh, whatever you can do as a, as a as a big old offensive lineman sending a semi tractor trailer as a mobile billboard is genius by Nebraskan recruiting. Will it work? Will it make a difference? It's just a subtle reminder. You're getting your uh, your pickup or. Uh, SUV to, to head home. Presumably, that's what an offensive lineman drives in Iowa. And, uh, oh, looky there. I don't want to know the fuel costs, but I applaud you, Nebraska, <laughs> for sending it that way. And, and it should be noted here as well, not only is that for Grant Bricks, but also think about the location, Logan Magnolia, mm-hmm. Western Iowa. A lot of Husker fans in that area. So. Sure. You know what? The, the, the Husker Semi is parked over at the high school. Let's go. Let's go check it out. Oh, Grant Bricks, look Look at all these Husker fans around now who are here to see this semi-truck. It's, it's deeper than that, and it should be noted, not only did Nebraska get a recruiting assist, I guess if you want to call it, from, from Husker Trucking with that, that truck there. Will Compton also tweeting at Grant Bricks now, saying, uh-huh. Husker Nation would love to have you. I can tell you're a lunch pail, grit and spit type of kid, wrestler and ball player. We need more of them. So Will Compton hopping in the recruiting pitch as well. That's two things Oklahoma hasn't given Grant Bricks. A, a semi-truck on the, the high school <laughs> campus and be a 10-year NFL vet tweeting is, at the is, guy with one, one of the most popular sports podcasts in the United States as well. Is that an NIL requirement? Not a requirement, but would, would that be a, a, a game changer? Son, we're going to give you an 18-wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> Those of us from the mid-'80s who uh, enjoyed the cinema classic Over the Top and Sylvester Stallone, uh, he was trying to. They tried to bribe Sylvester to leave uh, this this mogul's grandson alone with a new semi, and and Sylvester Stallone, Link Hawk, his character wouldn't have it. He was going to dr- keep driving the beat up piece of crap semi he'd always had and going to arm wrestling tournaments, wearing suspenders and cut off t shirts. Whatever happened? Would be cool though having. Uh a big rig, a, a semi truck is your daily driver, like one of the uh, the dealerships with with Grant Bricks and a future NIL deal here. Here, bud, you need a daily driver. How about a semi truck? Well, it, it works out. It'd be distinctive. You've got you know the great folks at Crete Carrier. Mm. So uh, we we talk about greatness and uh, wonderful ideas in Nebraska. The the mobile billboard to Philly fan, all sorts uh, full of fury and venom. This has been edited to keep our jobs. Should be in my folder, Elijah. We've got three different waves of Philly fan. So to set this up for you, you had uh, a radio 
host from iHeart in Philadelphia uh, go out there and just to give credit, Buster Delphia at FM Buster. He did the man on the street. Something tells me the last name of Delphia is a, is a radio name. You know, it's a little too convenient That's to that, be a, a Philadelphia radio host, your last name being Delphia. Right. Well, but anywho, Buster Delphia. If it's uh, not, like that dude found the perfect job for himself. He uh, is, is a radio dude in Philly, and he's doing man on the street with video. Glorious Philly fan after game seven. Uh, this is wave one of Philly fan after falling to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's see what people got to say. We had a whole field for two games. Two games. And you let them come here and beat us. Phillies need to sell Trey Turner. That guy's a f***ing idiot. We went farther without that guy. F*** the Phillies, honestly. Trade the whole f***ing team. This team I want to say that I'm f***ing depressed. I had to ask nine people for this f***ing cigarette. Philly fans, we always stink. (laughs) Disappointment. Man, that was just straight garbage. This sucks. I hope they can play a baseball game again. Fire Topper. Topper! What's up, man? (laughs) Dude, cut two was a 10-year-old dropping F-bombs. Kind of looked like Junior a little bit. A little bit, but he didn't have blonde hair. Uh, But yeah, I mean, all sorts of, uh, as you'd expect in the city of brotherly love, F-bomb, but Philly fan, I mean, they booed Santa Claus and they cheered when Michael Irvin had a severe neck injury. So they have their history. Uh, More from Philly fan, more angry fans after game seven. Feeling like I want to go lay in traffic. All them because I couldn't get a hit when we needed Um, I love how we spent 700 mil for guys to go 0 for 12 combined. Let's go Jets. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> and, of course, the Philly theme song that needs to be retired, especially after not winning game seven. I'm feeling good because, you know, we still got the birds. Go birds! Go birds! Hit the ball, man. Come on, really? Hit the ball. Overpaid Fuck that. Hey, wait, where'd you get this banana? From a homeless guy. (laughs) I went with the wrong cut there. That was a good one. That was wave three. Yes, that was my fault. But Philly fan, incensed, but what was hilarious. All right, you're you're fired up. You're F-bombing me to crazed delirium and hey dude where's i'm hungry where's the banana oh the 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 poor chap down there yeah he does not have a home he uh he gave it to me okay the uh, what's the song called dancing on my own dancing on my own that's been the rallying cry you you remember the fratellis during the hockey playoffs and the blackhawks run caught on pretty popular song uh, this a far cry from it, but uh, they have heard enough. Hey, how do we feel about dancing on my own as a song moving forward? You got to cut it. Time to retire it. Find something new. Still fires up the crowd. Well, I'm pretty sure it, it didn't work this year, so it's got to go. Fucking on! I'm crying instead of dancing. I get the song. They need to ditch that. I don't want to hear that song ever again. How about you Dude, shut up? <laughs> <laughs> Philly fan rare form. But here's here's what's going to happen. The next time Nebraska takes on a top 10 team, they'll be more ready. Uh, well, let's 
back up. The next time Nebraska takes on a top 10 football team in Lincoln, and, and they're going to be ready in year two, in year three, under Matt Rule, presumably, the way things are. We, we got to do this and get joyous Husker fans' reaction, right? Well, you I mean... You... To hear the emotion and passion in the voice, you heard <clears throat> the opposite there, <laughs> Philly fan just angry. I mean, you had 10-year-olds, you had 50-year-olds, you had uh, college students, you had young professionals, and all of them learned how to swear with the best of, of Philadelphia. It's an art. It is, says the pirate Mike Leach. And the, the pirate, God rest his soul, was not wrong. Philly fan did display that. Did they display class last night? Probably not. Did they display patience last night? Absolutely not. Uh, but did they display their ability to be a rabid and angry fan base? Yes, they checked that box yet again. Mm-hmm. And if there is anything to Nebraska get another top 10 team at home here in the near future, us going man on the streets, well, at least that top 10 opponent won't be, you know, having all the signs before they they, they, they start that game, knowing exactly what you're going to be running. Philly fan or, or Philadelphia resident Walter um, is like, look, he chimes in and appreciate you listening, Walter. I've been hearing this kind of stuff my whole life. Don't doubt it. And uh, I've been, yeah, we, okay, and where are we at? Oh, yeah, here we go. That's the way most of us talk out here. <laughs> now, Matthew chimes in, and Schmidt, we've talked about this before. He says you need to play the Bill Burr clip on Philly. There I, are not enough bleeps no, in the world for that clip. That would take massive editing, and Bill Burr, just to give reference, uh, was getting heckled in Philadelphia probably 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. It was it like really put him on the map. And and Burr's hilarious. Just my cup of coffee, comedy-wise. Him and Jim Jeffries, I get a kick out of. But Burr just starts blasting the city of Philadelphia that, that and bit. counting down on his watch. Eight minutes, six minutes, four minutes. Drops the mic and heads out. And there is no level of editing that will ever make that bit safe for radio. So go check it out on your own if you haven't seen it yet. Bill Burr Philly. It's easy to find on YouTube. All right. We get a jock doc coming up here. Mr. Ertz, the tight end from Arizona. What's his prognosis? And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon Seifert, uh, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon, how are we doing? I'm doing great, fellas. How are you? We're uh, doing better than Zach Ertz. Our topic today, uh, talented tight end out of Stanford. Kind of remember him with the uh, Harbaugh slash Andrew Luck era squad. You fast forward, and one of those guys that's put up decent numbers, but not lived up to the pop of a second-round pick. Now he's dealing with IR again, Dr. Brandon, and we're talking strained quad, did that against Seattle. What do you make of this short-term and long-term? Yeah, you know, they're not, they don't seem too excited about it. Uh, they haven't kind of laid it out that he's going to be out for you know several weeks. It seems like it's kind of a, a short-term kind of return, at least at this point. Um, you know, when you talk about a quad strain, like a lot of things, there's kind of that, that spectrum or that scale of injury that's out there. 
Um, and so this sounds like this seems to be a pretty low-grade strain. As we look at strains, whether it be hamstring, quadriceps strain, essentially what happens here is you start to get some stretching in the muscle, start to break down some of those fibers. And on kind of a low-grade level, kind of that grade one level, a little bit of a stretch but no high-grade tearing. And that, that typical recovery with something like that, whether it be hamstring or quad, is usually somewhere in the order of anywhere from kind of two to four weeks kind of that max six weeks, that kind of low-grade level. You start to work into that kind of grade two, a little higher, moderate-level injury. Now you're talking, you know, tearing you know, quite a few of those fibers. You may tear up to maybe 50% um, in terms of the thickness, and now you're looking at pushing that kind of return-to-play window out. Maybe you're out to six weeks at that point, maybe a little further. And then obviously you get to that kind of high-grade, almost what we call full-thickness tear, when you're kind of tearing all the way through those fibers in a really large kind of area. Um, then you're now looking, you know, several months down the road. And then as we look at, you know, quad strains, even hamstrings in particular, when you look at those and say, you know, what's kind of that worst kind of degree you can get to, well, we really start to worry about these injuries is when you start to get into the tendinous portion. So just kind of talking specifically anatomy, there's obviously the muscular part that's kind of the middle. We call it the muscle belly. And on each end of that, the muscle is hooked onto a bony component with the tendon. Um, and so what happens is right where that kind of muscular part attaches onto the muscle, we call it kind of the musculotent junction. You can have tears there. Those are more significant. They take longer to heal. And obviously, worst-case scenario would be you actually pull the tendon part off of the bone. And those are typically when you start talking more on the surgical side of things. Well, right now, it's a strain, luckily, for him. But this is one of those injuries that can linger for sure, Dr. Brandon. And it's also... Pretty detrimental. I mean, you have knee injuries, you have ankle, you have shoulder. We, we talk about all sorts of injuries at the NFL level or high school level or in between at the college level. But from a quad standpoint, that muscle and part of your body is vital, uh, especially for a guy who plays tight end. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you think about all the things that is required of, you know, a quad muscle when it comes to cutting, jumping, deceleration, all those types of things obviously come into play here. And so it really is a major group. We think more we think more on the lines of, you know, hamstring injuries, which are obviously a lot more common. A hamstring injury would be than a quad strain. Uh, I mean, obviously quad strains do happen. Uh, but they're, you know, kind of less on that scale. Um, so when you talk about, you know, return to play for him, again, hopefully this is going to be more kind of on that lower grade side. I haven't heard any mention as to if it's going to be, you know, anything surgical. It doesn't sound like that at all. Um, and so hopefully it's going to be more on the low grade side and hopefully we get him back, you know, pretty quickly. Dr. Brandon, I think we'd be a little bit remiss here if we didn't mention the fact that Zach Hurts landed on IR last year, but last year was a knee injury. It ended up being both an ACL and an ACL, excuse me, ACL and MCL reconstruction for Zach Hurts, and he missed the, the remainder of the season last year. Comes back, was looking good, and now the quad injury. Is there any chance these two injuries are related, that uh, following a, a knee injury coming back, that there might be more strain put on a muscle like your your quadriceps is that possible here or what's your your take on these two injuries kind of in back-to-back seasons yeah it really is alleged that's a great point I, w- I was you know curious that myself is what is the you know kind of injury correlation between having you know some type of ACL reconstruction you know depending on what graft choice you use and having you know other things show up whether it be a quad strain hamstring strain you know, quad strain in particular, there's not a lot of data or literature out there that talks about if you have, you know, an ACL and the reconstruction is, are this, there a higher percentage of having, you know, kind of a quad strain later on in life 
or later on in your athletic career. There's really no big correlation, at least that we've found in the literature we have so far. Uh, but you start to ask questions about it for sure. So, you know, here's an extremity that had, you know, a very significant injury to it initially with the ACL. Recover, he rehabbed really well, was looking, you know, pretty good. And then this shows up. And so is this a function of something biomechanically has maybe changed for him since the surgery? So that's a possibility. Or B, is this maybe something where just overall biomechanically he has an issue that maybe was even there before the ACL led to the ACL. Now it's moved more up in the quad area. So those would be some things I need to look at. Obviously, there's nothing definitive here that, you know, I could, I could claim is, is his issue. Um, you know, structurally, you know, really from a quad perspective, I, I'm not sure what graft choice they used. When we've talked about ACLs in the past, there's different grafts you can use to make, basically remake the ACL. We've talked about hamstring, patella. There's even quad tendon grafts you can use. So if you think about the quad muscle comes down and hooks into the top part of the kneecap, you could use quad grafts, quad tendon grafts. And so that does involve that whole kind of mechanism there. So if he did have a quad graft, I'm not saying he did, um, you know, could that cause some detriment to that whole kind of tendinous construct? Um, again, there's no great data that would show that, um, but it is something that, you know, is an interesting question to ask, and I don't have a great answer for at this point. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us at Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. As we're talking, Zach Ertz, talented tight end with Arizona, back on the IR. And it, at what point do you contemplate your future if you're Ertz? And I know this could be a, to your point, a shorter stint on the IR with uh, with with just a strain but to Elijah's point of back-to-back years ending up on the IR if you're Arizona right now we, we all know that those NFL contracts are made to be set on fire especially when a guy gets hurt mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so the, that's going to be that interesting debate about you know one was this a great idea on this contract on one hand? And two, what does this look like for him going forward in the future? And the, the big question there is with, with Arizona, they have Trey McBride, a highly drafted tight end out of Colorado State that they took a, a high pick on last year. And uh, the reason they kept Ertz around really was a dead cap hit that this year would have been, I think, over $10 million. And now with a quad injury, get to the end of the year. You wonder about Zach Ertz's NFL future, Brandon. Is, is that about how you're feeling? I don't know if I'd go, you know, so far to that point yet. Um, obviously, he's got some years on him, some mileage on him. Um, uh, as well as he rehabbed, I still think he's a, he has a good potential to come back and look really good. Okay. Um, I don't think this quad strain in particular should be a significant kind of long-term detriment to him. I think once he gets over it, which hopefully pretty quickly, I think he returns back and looks pretty good. I think he can get back to that level of at least where he was kind of, you know, post-ACL recovery, um, and, and he's done a pretty pretty good job with that. Another thing you have to think about, too, is with any time you're talking about an ACL recovery, you know, honestly, that first season you're back, you're just not quite the same that first season you're back. Yeah. Every once in a while you get somebody that looks amazing that first season back, but most of the time it takes kind of getting through a season, and then it's that kind of next year that you start to kind of regain more of that old form, if you will. He had such a great run in Philly and then got the free agents deal in 2021. And uh, we'll see where Zach Ertz ends up, uh, either in the desert or somewhere else. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon, thanks for a few minutes today. Sounds great, guys. You guys take care. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
One final time, Hail Varsity Radio. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for spending time with us. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal can find the show. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. We're presented by Cornhead Lager. Purchases help support NIL through the 1890 Initiative. Tomorrow, Roadshow. We are at the Single Barrel in Lincoln, 9th and P, inside the Graduate. So we love our Thursday Roadshows. Swing on by. Check out their great wall of whiskey. Get yourself a beer. Get a hot meal. How about uh, a steak or some chops? Burger? Some appetizers always sound pretty good. So we'll hope to see you at the Single Barrel tomorrow, 4 to 6. Roadshow with Hale Varsity inside the Graduate. Single Barrel, 9th and P. Back there Saturday for the weekend edition. That is uh, going to happen noon to 2 on Saturday. Then Real Red Reaction follows, we'll say, 545. Quick ball game, maybe. Uh, worst case scenario is 6 to 730. Uh, Real Red Reaction and beyond digitally after that first 90 minutes. So check that out. Friday is going to be a party, man. Friday, Elijah, we are headed up to the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill. Road show Friday, getting you ready for Nebraska-Purdue with the forecast with Billy D, with Jacob Padilla. And, yes, Jabba Chamberlain going to be on site with us for his podcast, Triple Play. Elijah, you and I are lucky enough to be a part of that. And uh, we'll have a live pod, 6 to 7, at the Herdat Sports Bar, Bar and Grill, 6 to 7, right up to game one of the world series diamondbacks and the rangers uncle mark cheering for the rangers a lot of arizonans from the for nebraska down there in scottsdale and arizona they are big diamondback fans yeah and not only do we have a live podcast recording on friday schmitty getting you geared up for game one we also had a recap of the alcs and nlcs podcast that dropped today so if you're Looking to fill about 40 minutes of your time? Check it out, the Triple Play Podcast. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, Amazon, really wherever you get us. If you're listening to us in podcast form, you can also find the Triple Play Podcast with Java mm-hmm. Chamberlain, Chris Schmidt, and Elijah Herbal. So you can get our ALCS and NLCS thoughts and some early thoughts looking ahead to the World Series before we uh, get our full thoughts on display Friday night at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill. Again, that is 6 to 7. You can reserve your spot online or just show up. Just come hang out. Grab a beer, listen to us preview the World Series, and you might as well stick around, get some shrimp with that bang-bang sauce, and watch game one of the World Series. The bang-bang sauce. So I love the stream contributions, the Hale Varsity YouTube channels where you can participate there, Facebook as well, and uh, the Twitter post to the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Uh, Steven, Chris always looks like he's looking at me on the screen saying, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Not really. Not true, Stephen. Eh. I always, I have that what the hell look. Whenever you're reading, yeah. <laughs> I need readers. <laughs> I need glasses. You have that squint in your eyes. I am sensitive about my ability to communicate and read and cold read. Um, Dion says, I always think he's look looks like he's disappointed in what I just said. <laughs> That's pretty good. Walter says, boo the snakes. I like it. Steven also says, look, the Big Ten front seven defenders look much different than the Big 12 size. Absolutely. You had fire hydrants in the Big 12, uh, aside from Sue and Crick, of course. Then you had to go to the Big Ten where you needed uh, a lot of Malik Collinses and 
Vincent Valentine's. We'll be back tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Come see us at the Single Barrel, 4 to 6. Talk to you tomorrow with Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.